Hello, my name is Andrew Laposha, and welcome to the Twilight Years. On today's episode, we will be discussing the death and final years of filmmaker Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock has gone down in history as one of the greatest and most influential film directors of all time. His work has been studied and analyzed deeply by film students. He first rose to fame in the 1930s when he directed movies that were successful in his homeland, Great Britain. When the movies caught the attention of American audiences, Hitch moved to Hollywood. There he became one of the biggest filmmakers in the world. He directed over 50 feature films, earning the nickname The Master of Suspense. He directed classic thrillers such as Rear Window, Vertigo, Rope, North by Northwest, The Birds, and of course, Psycho. And amidst all this, he unjustly never won a Best Director Oscar, though he was nominated five times. Unlike many of his fellow directors, Alfred Hitchcock became just as well-known as the actors he directed. In most of his movies, he gave himself a cameo. He also hosted and produced the television anthology series Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Everyone knew Alfred Hitchcock the director, but Alfred Hitchcock the man was just as well-known. Even though Hitch was brilliant, he was a very hard director to work for. He was notoriously tough on the actors he worked with, particularly women. There is a famous quote attributed to him, actors are cattle. He later said, I never said all actors are cattle. What I said was all actors should be treated like cattle. He was also quite the perfectionist, being meticulous with every detail in the production of his films. But as difficult as he could be with production, he used it to his advantage, and that's why he's regarded as a genius. In 1972, Hitch came into possession of a book called The Rainbird Pattern, written by Victor Canning. Hitch read the book and loved it. He thought it had all the elements that would be perfect for one of his movies. To write the movie, he brought in Ernest Lehman. Hitch had first worked with Lehman on North by Northwest in 1959 and had since gone on to many other acclaimed films. During the writing of the script, which was now titled Deceit, Hitch suffered from a few health ailments. In January 1973, he spent two weeks in the hospital fighting gout and had a minor heart scare in August. During the writing process, the two men met every day following a precise schedule. They got along great. In April 1974, Lehman finished the first draft. Their second round of script meetings didn't go as well. Lehman found himself not liking some of Hitch's ideas. He didn't like Hitch's constant overanalyzing. He just wanted to get the script finished. They also had disagreements over which parts of the script are more important. Lehman was more concerned about characters, while Hitch was more concerned about plot. In September of that year, Hitch suffered a heart attack. Hitch half-jokingly blamed it on the nervous states of his arguments with Lehman. He was rushed to UCLA Hospital and put in a wing he donated a lot of money to before. To monitor his heart, a pacemaker was placed under the skin of his shoulder blade. After the surgery, more complications ensued. These include fever and pain, colitis, and a kidney stone operation. He also fell and hurt himself over Thanksgiving weekend. Because of all these ailments, many wondered if deceit would ever get made. But Hitch persisted. Within the first week of January 1975, he was going to plays and social functions, as well as meeting with crew members. The casting process also began, and Bruce Stern, Barbara Harris, Karen Black, William Devane, and Catherine Nesbitt were all cast. The title of the film was also eventually changed to Family Plot. Production began on May 12, 1975. The making of the movie was highly publicized. Reporters from all over the world visited the set. Hitch even lifted his shirt and showed them the scar from his pacemaker. Because doctors, studio officials, and the press were all on the set, Hitch was well-behaved and drank in moderation. 
The only time he ever really got angry on the set was at Karen Black, who attempted to make small changes to make her character seem more likable. Hitch loved all the attention he was getting from the press, so much so that he and his wife Alma traveled to St. Moritz for Christmas. Hitch was optimistic about how Family Plot would turn out. Family Plot was released to good reviews. Though it isn't looked at today as one of the classic Hitchcock films, it does hold a special place for his fans and those who extensively study his work. Family Plot would be Hitch's 53rd movie as well as his last. He did, however, say that he definitely had another movie in the works. Unfortunately, Family Plot generated mediocre box office results. Shortly after Family Plot was released, Hitch's wife Alma suffered a crippling stroke. The stroke left her homebound and requiring around-the-clock nurses. For a while, Hitch took her to Chasen's, their favorite restaurant, once a week. However, she could hardly walk and Hitch was starting to have trouble walking himself, so they stopped going. Because there wasn't much room in the house for both nurses and a cook, they would order Chasen's to be delivered to their house, and Hitch himself started to cook a few times a week. In early 1977, Hitch became aware that Alma would most likely be homebound for the rest of her life. He also began to think seriously about his next movie. Because Family Plot had been his least successful picture in years, he knew he needed to step up his game. He had read a novel called The Short Night, which was loosely based on the nonfiction book called The Springing of George Blake, and decided that would be his next movie. The writer Universal recommended James Costigan already had some impressive credits to his name, but Costigan and Hitch could never agree on script ideas and they parted ways. Michael Lehman was then brought in to take over. May of 1977 saw the release of the action comedy Smokey and the Bandit starring Burt Reynolds. The movie was popular with audiences, but received mixed reviews from critics. It instantly became one of Hitch's favorite movies. Years later, his daughter Patricia said that he made movies for the audience and for entertainment, not for critics and self-pleasure. In December of that year, Mel Brooks released a movie called High Anxiety, which was a spoof of Hitchcock films. Brooks went to Hitch to get his blessing to make the movie. Hitch even suggested potential scenes. When Hitch saw the movie, he reportedly loved it. He sent Mel a case of six bottles of wine with a note that said, A small token of my pleasure. Have no anxiety about this. Meanwhile, Hitch and Michael Lehman continued to work on the script. They got along for a while, but much like their previous endeavor, they got into disagreements over scenes. Hitch then booted Lehman from the project, replacing him with Norman Lloyd, in July 1978. Hitch's ailments continued. These included lung congestion, dizzy spells, and falls. Sometimes Hitch could hardly make it down the hallway to his office and would have to hold on to the walls, but Hitch refused to use a cane. One time the two of them went outside the studio for lunch with Joseph Cotton. Hitch's appetite had went away and he wasn't enjoying smoking cigars like he once did. Much to Lloyd's surprise, Hitch one day said to him, You know, Norm, we're not ever going to make this picture. When Lloyd asked why, Hitch said because it wasn't necessary. Despite this, they continued talking about the script. They were about two-thirds done with their draft when Hitch announced that he wanted to start on the actual script. Lloyd protested, saying they weren't ready. The next day, Lloyd showed up at Hitch's office and found the door locked. He went back for the next few days to no avail. One day, Lloyd finally got there when Hitch was there, too. Lloyd said he had changed his mind and was ready to get started, but Hitch pushed him away, saying he could write the script himself. But Hitch knew he couldn't do the script himself. Alma had always had some kind of hand in each of his movies, but he knew there was no way she could help this time. 
In November 1978, Hitch fell in his bathroom. An ambulance took him to the hospital, where he was immediately taken to get x-rayed. Fortunately, nothing serious was found, but railings were put up at his home and in the office. He also began using a cane. Hitch asked Universal to send him a younger writer, and he was given David Freeman, a writer in his 30s. He began working with Hitch that December. The two got along well, and Freeman kept a journal to write a book about his experiences with Hitch. Hitch and Freeman worked on the script over the next several months, but his drinking grew worse. He would often wash down his arthritis pills with booze, and he would drink wine and vodka during their meetings. By the spring of 1979, Hitch seemed to be showing signs of senility and depression. He was also losing interest in the script, but he knew he had to finish. In October 1978, the American Film Institute announced they would be awarding Hitch their prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award. Even though he agreed to the ceremony, which was scheduled for March 7, 1979, he dreaded the occasion. He felt like this kind of event was on par with a funeral. He didn't even think about the event until a week before. The day beforehand, Hitch's doctor told him not to go, which sent the AFI officials into panic. In the event that he couldn't attend, his acceptance speech was taped in advance the day it was to occur. But Hitch mustered up the strength to attend. Fellow director Frank Capra, who was around the same age as Hitch, sent him a congratulatory telegram. This made him cry, not because of the sentiment, but because it made him doubt his longevity. The ceremony was held at the Beverly Hilton Hotel, where he was given a suite to stay in. Everything was done to keep alcohol away from him. Hitch entered the ceremony to a standing ovation. Alma wasn't going to attend, but she decided to go at the last minute. Various veterans of Hitchcock films came forward to pay tribute to him. Throughout the whole event, Hitch had a blank look on his face. At the end of the ceremony, Hitch said a few words, which was mixed in with the speech he recorded earlier that day. When AFI director George Stevens Jr. handed Hitch his award, he tried to stand up but fell back into his chair, which was caught on camera. The ceremony was broadcast on TV a week later. It would be Hitch's last public appearance. In May 1979, Hitch and David Freeman decided that they had enough of a script prepared for production to begin. However, they knew that if it were to be made, it would have to be after Hitch's death. But before long, Hitch told Universal head Lou Wasserman that the short night would probably never get made, and it never was. Towards the end of the year, Hitch received a summon to receive an honorary Knight Commander of the Order of the British Empire. The honor was so great that there was brief interest in trying to get the short night to be made, but it never happened. Due to his health, there was no way that Hitch would be able to travel to England for the formal ceremony at Buckingham Palace. Instead, a formal luncheon was organized for the honor. Former colleagues Cary Grant and Janet Lee were in attendance, as were various studio heads. Photographs were taken of Hitch looking very out of it. Consul General Thomas W. Aston bestowed the knighthood to Hitch. When asked why it took Queen Elizabeth so long to give him the honor, Hitch replied, I guess she forgot. By the end of 1979, Hitch had stopped going to his office at Universal. He recorded an intro to be used at the upcoming FI tribute to frequent collaborator Jimmy Stewart. In March 1980, Hitch checked into Cedars-Sinai for diagnostic tests. He became bedridden. Alma was just as out of it as he was. Hitch's good friend, Dr. Fleeg, said that Hitch wasn't actually dying. In fact, he said that with proper care, Hitch might have lived more years. But he willed himself to die. He refused food and only drank sips of water. In early April, Hitch's arthritis pain went away surprisingly, but more problems developed. 
His liver was failing, and his heart had become enlarged, to the point that his pacemaker no longer worked. When Hitch was near death, two Jesuit priests named Mark Henninger and Tom Sullivan came by and said mass for him. Sullivan also heard confession from Hitch. On the night of April 28th, his family was called to his bedside. The next morning, April 29th, 1980, at 9.17 a.m., Albert Hitchcock died. He was 80 years old. His funeral was held at Good Shepherd Catholic Church in Beverly Hills, with Tom Sullivan officiating and Lou Wasserman giving the eulogy. About 600 people were in attendance, including Mel Brooks, Carl Malden, Tippi Hedren, and Janet Lee. Alma sat in the front row in her wheelchair. She looked like she didn't know where she was or what she was doing there. In fact, for the rest of her life, she never seemed to know that her husband had died. She died on July 6, 1982. Hitch was cremated and his ashes were scattered off the coast of California. Alfred Hitchcock's films have stood the test of time. Many of his films have been listed as some of the greatest of all time. He was a genius. There is no director like Alfred Hitchcock. Thank you all for listening to The Twilight Years. Please don't forget to subscribe, and if possible, leave me a review. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. The links are included in the description of this episode. Do you have anyone you would like to see talked about on this podcast? Let me know and I will do my best to get to them. Thank you again for listening. My name is Andrew Laposha, and I will see you next time. Thank you.